1: QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: From London, I'm Rochelle Travers and this is The Standard. The longest strike in NHS history is officially underway. Junior doctors in England, who make up roughly half the doctor workforce, walked out across the country at 7am this morning. It's the start of a six-day walkout over pay, involving thousands of medics in the British Medical Association. The action comes after talks between Health Secretary Victoria Atkins and the BMA broke down last month, with the government insisting that negotiations would not resume unless the union called off the strike. Dr. Robert Lawrenson, co-chairman of the BMA Junior Doctors' Committee, has been speaking from the picket line outside St. Thomas' Hospital, London.
2: The only reason the government will even entertain talks with us is because we have strike action. We'd rather not be out on strike. We would rather be at work. But the fact of the matter is no doctor is worth 26% less than they were in 2008.
0: Over the past year, the NHS has endured walkouts from numerous groups of its employees. Analysis by The Standard found that more than 330,000 appointments and operations in London have been cancelled due to industrial action. Here to explain everything you need to know about the strikes is Daniel Keane, The Standard's health reporter. So, first of all, Dan, how difficult a start to the year is this for the NHS?
2: This is really tough. So you've got two things going on at once. You've got a huge surge in flu, COVID and norovirus, and simultaneously the longest strike in NHS history taking place from 7am this morning. So junior doctors, so that's around half of the NHS workforce, have walked out. It's the 10th round of industrial action in this long-running pay dispute. But this by far is the most difficult time of year for them to strike. This week after the new year is by some distance the the toughest time for, for the NHS and when pressure is most acute on emergency services. So it has been basically a kind of worst case scenario for many NHS trusts.
0: And as you mentioned there, obviously, junior doctors make up a significant portion of the NHS workforce. What does that mean for services? Are they effectively at a standstill?
2: So routine care is effectively going to be at a standstill for the next five to six days. What we've seen is NHS trusts now preemptively not booking in operations in anticipation of a strike, which means that while we have this figure of 1.2 million operations and Appointments cancelled. It's actually likely to be much higher. And what you hear from NHS trusts is that essentially during the strikes, there is very little, almost no planned care, unless it is for people with, um, you know, needing an urgent cancer operation or eye operations or things like that. It's very bare bones um, and. You know, NHS leaders hate using the word Christmas Day level of service, but that is essentially what we will be getting this week. If you need emergency treatment, then by all means, you should get it. But if not, then I'm afraid you're going to be on the phone to 111.
0: How much will it impact London specifically?
2: So really, really badly. And actually, I've been looking at the figures from the last nine to 10 months of these strikes. And actually, London has had by far the most cancellations compared with any other region. So now we've got 337,000 inpatient and outpatient appointments rescheduled in London. And that's across the sort of 10 month period where there's been nursing strikes, consultant strikes going on. Uh, and that's about a quarter of the, of the 1.2 million procedures and operations cancelled nationally so that's by far more than any other region and also you have by far the, the highest number of doctors out on strike so last in the last strike on December 20th you had 4,500 doctors striking which was considerably higher than any other region so for various reasons this seems to be disproportionately impacting London, the figures certainly show that
0: Let's go to the ads. After the break, our health reporter Daniel Keane on the details behind this bitter pay dispute and whether we should expect more NHS strikes in 2024.
2: I think so, and I think a lot will depend on the outcome of the election. You could be in a situation where Wes Streeting, the Shadow Health Secretary, is dealing with a very unhappy NHS next winter or, or, or the winter after...
1: QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: Welcome back. Still with me is The Standards' health reporter, Daniel Keane. What are the details behind this pay dispute then? Why can't the two sides reach an agreement?
2: so i think this this it's well known that uh, the junior doctors pay demand is much higher uh, than other unions at 35% but they've been at pains to stress recently that they don't want this all in one go they would be happy to take a sort of multi year pay deal, which is actually what the union in Scotland managed to achieve after negotiation. The government have been very clear that they're not going to give doctors the 35% pay rise. The pay deal that was offered last year was 8.8% with an additional 3% for the year before. So you're about 11%. But obviously that's considerably less than, than 35%. So essentially what you've got is two sides completely deadlocked here and the worry I think is that there isn't really a landing zone that doesn't seem to be a figure that they can both agree on or even a framework for an agreement that they can both agree on that will please both sides. So this pay dispute is no closer to being solved than it was in March last year when strikes began.
0: And over the past year we've seen a lot of NHS strikes. People might be getting confused over like who's reached an agreement and who hasn't. Can you just sort of give us an overview about where things stand currently?
2: Absolutely. So you have have a lot of different unions representing healthcare staff, one of which is the Royal College of Nursing, which, as we know, um, had a strike campaign of their own. And that concluded last year after they settled with the government. That was a slightly unusual situation because nurses actually ended up being quite unhappy with the pay rise that they were given. However, the vote for further strikes didn't get over the, the threshold of 50% needed to, to actually keep striking so it's quite embarrassing for the union there really but it means that that pay dispute is very much not settled in the long term. Then you have NHS consultants who are also in the BMA who have recently reached an agreement with the government, but that's still being voted on. So there is a very real possibility that consultants could reject that agreement and actually go back out onto the picket line, possibly even joining junior doctors. And then you have various other unions like Unison that represent ambulance staff, uh, the GMB that also represent paramedics. And those disputes seem to be settled now. They were were settled quite quickly by the government. They are all part of a group called the NHS Staff Council. And that pay rise was was voted through uh, midway through last year. So those disputes are on ice for now. But with the BMA and with the Royal College of Nursing, I think there's a real risk of quite prolonged industrial action.
0: So would you say to expect more strikes in
2: 2024 then? I think so. And I think a lot will depend on the outcome of the election. You could be in a situation where Wes treating the Shadow Health Secretary, is dealing with a very unhappy NHS next winter or, or, or the winter after. And I think the reason that these pay disputes haven't been resolved is, firstly, staff feel that these are kind of historic pay cuts that require long-term fixes, really. And that's what the BMA is arguing. They're saying we need our pay restored to where it was in 2008, and that could take years. And secondly, the scale of unhappiness and exhaustion among NHS staff. And that's something that I'm really struck in my job, talking to various kind of nurses and and, and doctors all the time, is there is a real sense of of misery in the NHS. And these strikes have actually kind of brought a lot of sort of feeling to to, to the fore from after the COVID pandemic, feeling undervalued, overworked. And I don't think that's going to go away. And I think... Any future health secretary will be dealing with that. So I wouldn't, even if there is an agreement with the BMA, I would not rule out further strikes in the next two years at all.
0: And where do you think this all leaves the NHS then?
2: I think it leaves the NHS in a very precarious position. But I think one of the really important things to note is that these strikes didn't cause the crisis in the NHS. Waiting lists were extremely high before the strikes, and the NHS was in need of urgent investment and kind of strategic planning prior to the strikes. Now, the strikes have made it much more difficult. The waiting list has risen. They have caused pain for people, uh, undoubtedly. But I think what we're looking at is essentially a, a situation where the NHS has been deprioritized for, for the government. Rishi Sunak has accepted almost that his pledge to, to bring down waiting lists won't be met by the time of the election. And the service is essentially in kind of limbo where it's doing its best to to bring those waiting lists down and, and make sure that emergency services are are ticking over but with one hand tied behind its back uh, in the form of this pay dispute so if the dispute isn't resolved you know as i mentioned you're going to have more strikes waiting lists increasing again and a workforce that is increasingly unhappy
0: You can read more from Daniel Keane about the junior doctor strike in the Standard newspaper or on our website, standard.co.uk. And that's it from this episode. This podcast will be back tomorrow at 4 p.m.